Pathway to Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller, episode number 72, with Eric Christensen, the director of the movie Unmasking Hope. Wow, who gets to walk these memorial walls, one in Vietnam, you know, one for Vietnam and one for 9-11 with men like that? And I got to do it twice in my life. Hey, this is Frankie Finn from sacredplantretreats.com, where we help people to find their life purpose. And I just finished an amazing podcast with Dr. Brad Miller from Pathway to Promise. And it was such a deep, meaningful, useful conversation that I think anybody should listen to his show because you're just going to get so much valuable insight into how to live a more purposeful life. You're on the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Brad believes every person has a God-given, promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and that you must have a plan and a guide to get there. The Pathway to Promise podcast not only is your guide through the wilderness of depression and disappointment that stand between you and your promised life, but also brings you insights and direction from inspiring, successful thought leaders who have transformed their lives. Welcome to the Pathway to Promise. Now, here's Brad. Hello again, good people. Welcome to Pathway to Promise podcast with Dr. Brad Miller. We are here to serve you today. And it is a privilege that you lent us some time on your walk or on your drive or doing some housework or working your garden, whatever you're doing, wherever your earbuds are taking you today. I just appreciate you taking me along for the ride as we share some great stuff in your life. We're here to help you overcome adversity and achieve your promised life a peace prosperity and purpose. We do that through teaching and through sharing good stuff from my history as a pastor and as a and as one and having a doctor doctoral degree in transformational leadership. I uh, feel like I've got some things to share into your life. I also love to share stories from other people who have great stories to tell and or storytellers, such as the case today when we have Eric Christensen a filmmaker, and he has a new movie came in, coming out soon called Unmasking Hope. We're going to be talking to him in just a minute. We did want you to know here at Pathway to Promise, we're here to serve you. You can always go to our website, pathwaypromise.com. That's where you can find lots of uh, over 70 uh, back episodes of the podcast. Helpful stuff for you there and the free gift, the four-minute life planning guide. We hope it's helpful to you. Right now today, our guest is Eric Christensen. He is a documentarian uh, filmmaker, and he really specializes in films that educate, inspire, and heal. And a lot of it has to do with his own experiences that we're going to talk about in our conversation today about being a survivor of trauma himself. Uh, Back in the early 90s, his home and many others were burned uh, with the loss of just about everything in a fire near Santa Barbara, California, where he lived at, at the time, and that led him to make a film about the loss of there, about the loss called Faces of the Fire, and then he's also done films about Vietnam vets and also other films as well. His upcoming film is called Unmasking Hope, and it's about this vision of hope, which we talk about a lot here on the Pathway to Promise podcast about a transformative recovery process for thousands of people whose lives have somehow or another been compromised, either mentally or spiritually or physically, by some sort of life trauma. 
We have a great conversation today about some of his life traumas, about how the stories that he tells in his films have been used even in therapeutic sessions by professionals to help people overcome the the adversity of their trauma in their life. You're going to love this conversation with Eric Christensen, very entertaining, great filmmaker. Let's get into that conversation with Erica Christensen, filmmaker, right now. Eric Christensen is with us today, and he is a filmmaker who specializes in films that have to do with uh, people who have been compromised mentally and spiritually and physically by trauma somehow in their life, and his films are about the resilience of the human spirit and the importance of hope in that healing journey, and he's in some really specialized in a lot of films that have to do with, uh, with veterans, including... Faces in the Fire, and uh, and Homecoming are some of the films he's worked on in the past, and his upcoming film is Unmasking Hope, the movie. We welcome you to Pathway to Promise, Eric Christensen. Uh, thank you, Brad. It's an honor to be here. I'm excited to have a conversation with you about all these things. Well, it is awesome, and I, I love to talk to filmmakers. I've, uh, I just uh, recently talked to a filmmaker who was working with a woman who was a survivor of Auschwitz and uh, had some great stories to tell about that. And then uh, your stories about survivors of another conflict, other both internally and in some cases through uh, war and things like that. But uh, tell us a little bit about you, because I got a feeling that uh, you're telling these stories of people who've had trauma in their life and drama because you've had some share of that in your life. So let's uh, have a little bit of background on you, Eric, about some of the things you've had to deal with that have, that have informed your filmmaking. Well, Brad, it, it, we have to kind of rewind back to 29 years ago on June 27th, uh, 1990, in uh, Santa Barbara, California. Um, I was uh, I was working in the industry up there. I was an editor, and uh, I was leave, living in the foothills of Santa Barbara, California. And we have an unusual weather condition up there. It called the sundowner winds. It was in June. It was really hot. We had three days straight of triple-digit uh, uh, temperatures, zero humidity. And then we had this sundowner phenomenon where the winds blow down through the canyons and out to sea. And some of those winds can get pretty ferocious. And um, so we had three days of this. And uh, <clears throat> the chaparral interface there in the foothills had gotten tinder dry and all it took is one little spark and uh the painted cave fire disaster of santa barbara in 1990 was ignited and it came through the foothills there and down through uh headed towards the ocean and in a matter of less than eight hours it uh, consumed about 450 homes including my home oh my goodness and uh, i was renting up there no renter's insurance but I had kind of all my worldly possessions in, in that uh, residence. My mom, I was living up there with my mother, and uh, she had the top floors of this beautiful home, and I had the bottom floors, and it was a really good situation for both of us. But that day, that day uh, kind of changed my whole life once that fire came through and, uh, and took my home. And uh, it was – but, you know, looking back on it, and and I can t- speak more about this. Looking back on it, it was such a pivotal day, but it was also the start of my new life. But looking at my mom's life, it was actually the start of her kind of entropy after that. Mm. So it was a, it was a very interesting contrast. 
So unpack that just a little bit more. You say her yeah. empathy in your new life. Uh, what was there? Was sound like there were some pivot points there that maybe you went one direction, she went another. So uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, basically, with my mom, you know, she was a over at that point. She was over a, almost a forty-five year cancer survivor. She had a radical mastectomy when I was only three months old, and uh, she was quite a survivor. But I see that blow of she had all her heirlooms and everything in that house, and she was getting older then. And I see that blow as really the start of, you know, she she had a lot on her shoulders from surviving all that. And that was the beginning of kind of a downward spiral for her, spiral for her losing all that stuff that was so important to her. And uh, it, it was just tough to watch. And then she went through a couple bouts of cancer and passed away probably about uh, about 10 years after the fire. But for me, it was quite different. Um, it took about seven months for me to kind of figure out what God had done with that fire. But it wasn't a comfortable seven months. Um, before the fire, I was probably drinking, not drinking socially. I was a little bit over the top in my partying and everything already. And I knew that. But the fire really brought out a different kind of drinking and drugging for me. I started drinking at the fire. And I was, I got, I was very pretty angry. I was always a happy person and mm -hmm. it just really changed my whole demeanor. And, uh, you know, it got towards the end of that, uh, Christmas after that June, um, I, I was, I couldn't, I couldn't drink enough to stay drunk. And that was a lot of volume Okay, and I couldn't, I couldn't get sober. I just, it wasn't an option. And, uh, the woman that's my wife now, gave me this card and it was this guy named Don R and uh she said if you're sick and tired of being sick and tired of doing this then you should maybe go see this guy he might have a solution so uh I went down and this, saw this guy. He's a therapist of some sort, a, a counselor. Uh, he, he's a member of a spiritual group of uh, gentlemen that uh, and and men and women that have found a solution to uh, addiction and alcoholism. And he also ran an outpatient. The outpatient was very important, but it was more important that I joined this other group of uh, of uh, alcoholics and addicts. And uh, then that's that's where I got really involved in um, a spiritual program. That really helped helped me heal, and I had my last I had my last drink January thirteenth, uh, nineteen ninety one. So wow. it's uh, twenty eight years of sobriety. That's and excellent. It's and you hand in hand with God. Yeah, you used an interesting turn of a phrase there a minute ago. You said you were drinking at the fire, and I just thought that was an interesting way of approaching it. You know, when people drink or use something to self medicate or to substitute, sometimes they're that's one way of, of uh, trying to attack what's eat, getting you without getting out to the core of your what's going on in your soul, and that that's great. So you took so with your now wife, she took some action, and you and you followed through by participating in this spiritual life group. And that had to be an ongoing process. I assume it wasn't just a one-off thing. You had to be you had to invest in yourself in it, right? Exactly, and I still do today. I was just uh, at a group this morning. Okay, good, <laughs> and it, it and you know it's um. You know, and, and I love your show because we can talk about God. God made a promise with me. He said, if I do his work and I'm mindful of his will, will day by day, that he's going to take this obsession of alcohol away from me. Mm -hmm. So as long as I'm mindful every morning and every day to do his will, 
his part of the deal is he's going to take this obset, uh, the obsession away of uh, alcohol. And, and that has been the truth for 28 years now. Well, that's awesome. So that part of that process is, you know, we, we believe part of this show is believe everybody has a God-given promised life of, of peace and prosperity and purpose, but you have to work at it. You have to follow, you know, you have to go through some disciplines and some processes. And, and that sounds like that's part of what you're doing. And the spiritual formation is definitely uh, a, a part of that. And so tell me a little bit, you said you met with this group this morning, other times, it's not like this is an ongoing thing. Tell me how that works out in kind of your day-to-day life. How do you impart this spiritual power in your life in order to help this transformation to take place? You know, it, it comes down to a real basic thing for me. You know, I get up, I have my morning meditations. You know, I, I read I read from our morning meditations book, which is, uh, you know, a Christian God-oriented book. And uh, But not only that, one of the, my vital parts about my personal well-being and continued well-being is to have a spiritual mentor that is older than me, a male, that's been there before, that is also following God. And uh, I check in with him two, three times a week. And uh, and when things get tough, I sit down with him and I let him speak into me. Hmm. And uh, and he guides me through a lot of things. And, uh, and that's been a, a big thing. And the other thing is I give it away. I do the same thing for other young men that are coming in that are trying to get sober and I work with them and I serve as their mentor. And so on a personal basis, that's how it works for me. That's awesome because that, that shows the building of that relationship. And I like to talk how that loving relationships, those intimate relationships help fuel transformation in us and help keep that going. But you got to keep that stoked and that going. You mentioned your wife and, and your mentor and you have mentees, I guess to another turn of a phrase so people used to have spoken into you and you speaking to them and those relationships have to be a powerful part of your ongoing transformation. Exactly. And with, and, and applying spiritual principles, basically, you know, I go to the book of James and, uh, you know, if we want to get real, uh, nuts and bolts and a lot sure. of, a lot of my message is in the book of James and, and, uh, and, you know, and, and keeping my side of the street clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, being mindful of others before me. And so. And be a doer of the word is one of the ways it's phrased in James as well. That's Exactly. I mean. Yeah. That's good. So part, of, so part about being a doer of the word, uh, Eric, it seems like you have expressed your, this transformation that's happened in you. And some of these experiences happened in you, overcoming alcohol and so, a devastating fire and, and some other things in your life. That a part of the way you're expressing is through filmmaking, and so let's let's just talk about that a little bit about what what got you into filmmaking in the first place, and what drives you, what motivates you, what keeps you going to make films that you do. Well, you know, basically, I've been making films even before second grade, but second grade I did my first film with a script. Then I've been working professionally since I was about 13 years old, being on sets. And so that's always been my vocation. And I've always felt, even since I was tiny, you know, 10, 12 years old, that I had some sort of message. But I didn't know what that message was. So I just kept making my little films and my Super 8 films, which were lost in the fire. Hmm. But um, I kept making little films and all these things. And then um, what happened is the fire came along. And after the fire, there was this I, – I, I've edited tons of commercials – IMAX movies, 
done a lot of other work. But after the fire, I was so moved when I would go to the Red Cross centers and interact with other survivors, how we could speak. But it was very difficult to try to explain the experience to people outside this circle that had, hadn't been through the fire. You had a commonality so, in your trauma that you only you really knew. Exactly. And that inspired me through my naivete at the time, and this is almost 20, well, almost 27, 28 years ago, um, I did this film called Faces in the Fire about surviving um, a disaster, a fire disaster, and I interviewed over a dozen other fire survivors. And uh, then we, I worked with the American Red Cross, and we had a screening of that in Santa Barbara the year after the fire at the, on the anniversary, which is always powerful. Mm-hmm. Those anniversaries are powerful for the trauma survivors. Sure. And uh, we had a very successful screening that uh, brought a lot of healing, not only for me, but the people in the film. Being able to see their life reflected in the film really validated their experience. And it really, a lot of times, it motivated them to take the next step towards healing, towards other things that might have come up through this trauma um, and then be able to take care of that. So it, it, it really produced a lot of healing on both sides of the camera. Then the film went on to later be shown on all sorts of cable networks and things. It won my first Emmy Award, which was really kind of exciting. And But the more importantly, it was picked up by the National Institute of Mental Health as a healing tool where uh, they would use it to train counselors that are coming into disasters that are going to deal with some of the survivors. And they would use that film to give the counselors understanding of what the effect is and the debriefing and the whole kind of grief process that the survivors are going through. So that was really the biggest, and that was an aha moment for me. Well, that, that, that also means that your work is being not just entertaining and useful and helpful, but it is actually being used as a tool for actual uh, uh, therapeutic uh, res- resource for for people, and that that is awesome. Was it used also? You said it was used for the t- for the counselors and so on. Was it also used for the victims in some way or another? To uh, yeah, it, it it would be it, consistently. It was shown for the survivors and was made av- available through the American Red Cross and through the National Institute of Mental Health. Um, and FEMA to survivors of uh, different fires and things like that. But it was mainly used as a tool in training. And that was a big aha moment because I've never done a film since then without clinical support, without, uh, again, it goes back to mentorship, is finding uh, clinicians that understand my work that will give me guidance and things. So my work is on point clinically on top of being emotional, moving, and uh, hopefully uh, aspirational for people to get healing. Yeah, plus gives you credibility. You know, you want you know, mm-hmm. as far as the uh, content of what you have, and and a big another big part of what the films you've made, uh, Eric has to do with uh, with veterans. I understand. I saw that some of your films have to do with uh, with veterans. Uh, of course, they've had their own sets of traumas. But what led you to do films with veterans and the traumas that they deal with? You know, that's such a great question because it it really goes chronologically as part of my story because I finished Faces in the Fire and a lot of producers saw that and I was hired to do a lot of other films that kind of had the same feeling, but it wasn't wasn't Faces in the Fire. It wasn't that same kind of soul connection. So I was literally a few years later praying for a similar project. Again, I was in my men's group and a good friend of mine, um, Bob Trimble, 
was in this group and he mentioned that his mom had passed away and uh, he was a Vietnam veteran, Purple Heart, Silver Star. And he said there was a lot of stuff coming up with him and he couldn't, he was having, he was very rocked the the trigger of his mom passing away and a lot of stuff from Vietnam and he, he was very, uh, I guess, triggered and agitated. And so he had heard about this motorcycle run from California to the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Wall in Washington, D.C., okay. and he was thinking of going on this run. So after the meeting, I came up, Bob, I go, this sounds like the answer to my prayer. You know, if you're thinking of going, could I follow you on this okay. and, and make a film about your journey? And he said, yeah, I, I think so. And so I met with some other veterans, and all the veterans are very – Vietnam veterans in particular are very skeptical about media. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're like, okay, yeah, we'll see, and we'll see if you really go the whole way with us, right? right? And so uh, there I was down – it was in May um, of uh, 2000. We left uh, Ontario, California with uh, 300 Vietnam veterans on motorcycles, and it uh, headed for the wall. And it really is not a motorcycle run. It's a motorcycle pilgrimage. It's very uh, interesting. Yeah. It's very it's very somber, and it's and it's allows these veterans to understand that America still supports them, and they get the welcome home they never got. Sure. From from when they came home originally, and uh, Bob in particular had quite an epiphany at a place called Angel Fire which is a Vietnam um, Veterans Memorial in New Mexico that was built by Dr. Westfall. He lost his son in Vietnam. He literally started digging the foundation to this beautiful chapel with his own hands. Oh, my goodness. And so the run goes through there, and that was a very emotional time for Bob, where the basically the shell cracked there. And he, he got to experience that, that release of Vietnam, but not only – he was he was surrounded by lots of his Vietnam brothers that understood. Mm-hmm. And in that film, uh, go ahead. No, I just say I did, I've I've been to the wall myself, and it certainly have. That's a powerful, powerful place to see, you know, people there who are still mourning and still in deep grief about what happened in Vietnam, right there at the wall, with the, both in person and of course the the letters and the gifts people leave, things like that. So, yeah, I'm sorry. The, 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 go, go ahead. The wall, the wall, you know, is a very powerful place, and it was an honor to walk the wall with Bob while he looked for one of his best friends that he lost in Vietnam, and you do the etching there. And he found Bobby's name, and he did the etching, and I got to walk with him on that wall. (laughs) Sorry, I'm getting emotional. Of course. Because, Because if you flash forward, gosh, almost 16 years, I got to walk the 9-11 memorial with Jack Delaney, who was the first responder and without question was running towards Tower 2 before it fell with his with his group of men. And he lost quite a number of men yes. responding to 9-11. And it was funny because it's not funny. It's, it's, it's a God thing is we're at the memorial. I'm there with Jack filming him and we're connecting and talking and he's trying to find the name on the wall of his survivors and then after that whole thing, I get into the Uber and we're way back and I go, wow, who gets to walk these memorial walls, one in Vietnam, you know, one for Vietnam and one for 9-11 with men like that? Yeah, and I got to do it twice in my life. What, a, what, a, uh, what an awesome privilege 
that is when you when you walk with people through those special times i'll share my brief story that has some similarities i've been i was privileged in my church where i'm a pastor at to interview a world war ii veteran a few years ago a few years ago before he passed away who was in the battle of iwo jima and he was wounded seven eight times and you know lost several friends but he he would continue to talk about his buddies who he lost there and who he met with every year, you know, for decades after that. And I remember also not too long before that, I'd interviewed a, another veteran of the first Gulf War who was a tank commander in 1991. And I just remember how there was, you know, certain differences to be sure, but a lot of commonality about the collegiality and the grief and the, and the, uh, the drama and the trauma that happened there. And then just yesterday I was talking to a person on the East coast in Delaware. I was asking about some of the, dramatic things happening in the world around there. And he referred back to 9-11, which I was interested about how that has impacted so many people in that area, well, all around the world, of course, but particularly where he was at, lost people there. And so there's a commonality there. And, and you're telling these stories, which are just amazing and, and, and dramatic. And they all have to do with some form or another of of delivering the, the, the power of hope, right? The power of hope. And, exactly. Yeah. And, and, and that's the amazing thing is, Oh, and by the way, I was making a movie. <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny. It's like not only am I walking with these men and get this experience personally, you get to record, but it. I, I'm 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 putting it down for prosperity, and I'm recording these men's story and and their hope and their healing. And you know, Bob's Bob. You know, he that run changed Bob. And and visiting the memorial with Jack and being participant in this in unmasking hope. Yes, it was it was a bit it is a big part of his life now, and yeah. it's just such an honor to be friends with people like. Well, let's that. go ahead and get into unmasking hope a little deeper then, because that's <clears throat> what your present project is. And so, uh, just tell us you know, what what do you mean then by unmasking hope? What is that? What's that representative of? You know, it's it's interesting. It it works on a lot of different levels. I mean, the first level obviously is uncovering hope, uncovering hope, and seemingly at the time. Uh, hopeless situations, mm -hmm. you know, and uh, one of our clinical expert, experts, uh, Dr. Shalev out of the New York University says, you're never completely depleted of hope. You're never empty. There's always a core that's left, and that's where he can start to rebuild with these survivors. But um, then the other level of unmasking hope is the masks that we all wear, uh, particularly trauma survivors. That just to get through the day, sometimes we have to put this mask on, that everything's okay. And that mask does help us function in certain cases, but that mask can get out of control. Like for me, that mask uh, became drinking and drugging. And that mask, I hid behind that mask, and that became me. And it's about the melting away of this mask and unmasking hope, the hope underneath that mask. So when we had such success with Searching for Home, Coming Back from War on public television and on video on demand on iTunes and Google Play, we started to say, okay, what's our next project? And going back to my clinical supervisors and the clinicians and the doctors involved and Dr. Amit Etkin out of Stanford University – we were discussing the most effective way to really connect with the, a bigger audience outside the veteran community and create a connection that's even bigger that, that, than that and, and make the film a 
more accessible, I guess you would say. And so that's where Unmasking Hope came about is that we have 9-11 survivors. We have uh, police first responders. We have sexual abuse survivors. We have mass shooting survivors. And then we're going to grow out from there. Cancer survivors, people that are close to people that have committed suicide. We're going to cover kind of the gamut of trauma, but show through the lenses of the truth what happened to them. The healing, when they find somebody else like themselves and get on a healing path, and the hope, we're going we're gonna to be able to show that we all heal very similarly, no matter if it's sexual trauma or if it's 9-11. Mm-hmm. And that's the fascinating part of doing the film is interviewing the 9-11 survivor. Then next week, I'm over here with a sexual abuse survivor, and they're telling a very similar story about their healing. Yes. So I, I, I think... To me, healing is kind of that that mental healing of trauma is very similar to how God has designed the scab when we scrape ourselves or something, hmm. that there's a natural way that God has implanted in us that we heal from it. But there's ways that we stop it and we stymie the healing and and uh, we make it difficult to heal just the same way that we scrape off a scab. But at the core of all of us is a similar way that we all heal, and that's what my work is based on. That's why I have such a wide aggregate of survivors yeah. in Unmasking Hope. Well, that's good, and then you're revealing that thread that goes through all these stories. You know, there's some you know very distinct differences. You know, from a war survivor to a sexual abuse survivor to someone who survives a fire or a disaster, or even more common things like someone gets cancer or you know someone is in a car wreck or something, you know, but there's these, this process of healing and wholeness. And, and that doesn't happen unless we choose to work through, you know, the journey, the decisions that we make. And, and you've given us, uh, your films are giving us some tools to do that. Well, just kind of one more, one or two more things here, Eric. And that is, give me an example of how you've seen either your work or something you've done uh, or witnessed, how you've seen some real uh, signs of hope, signs of, of healing and wholeness have taken place where you've mentioned your story and some other people with subjects of your films, but I'd be interested to see a story where you've seen something now this work has impacted somebody else. You know, that's, I'm glad you asked that. Thank you. Uh, because I was just thinking about, and I was thinking about my experience with homecoming of Vietnam vets journey. And after that film was done, that, that motorcycle run culminates at a thing called rolling thunder in Washington, DC on Memorial day where there's, up to 200,000 bikes hmm. ride into uh, uh, Washington, D.C. in memory of POWs and MIAs uh, of uh, all the wars. And so it, it's, it's, um, it's a huge procession. And so we were there one year selling the DVDs. And I remember my kids were tiny. We had shipped all these boxes back. We're on the mall selling DVDs. And uh, my wife and I. And this big burly biker guy is standing in front of the stand. And my wife comes up and goes, this guy wants to talk to you. And I'm like, wow, okay. You know, I've gotten pretty used to the big biker guys and everything. And I look and he turns and he has tears in his eyes. And he goes, I just want to thank you. I'm like, why is that? He goes, well, my dad lives down in Tennessee. And he saw Homecoming of Vietnam Veterans Journey on TV. And we hadn't talked since Vietnam. He said, after I saw that film, 
he called me up after his dad saw that film in, in Tennessee. He called him up and apologized. And now him and his dad have this relationship. And it was because his dad was able to experience through the film what his son had went through from Vietnam. And now they have a, they have a relationship. And if that isn't amazing to hear, and that's just one story. That's, that's awesome. But, that's, an but awesome that's story. that was very powerful. Yeah. Yes. Well, that's, that's great. I, I love that. Cause that's what I love to hear. Cause what, <laughs> what I'm all about here on pathway to promise is that is those type of moments, you know, where, you know, it's a God thing, you know, something has happened here where changes take place in a relationship or something else that has gone, gone well, but people have chosen then to do the hard work or to take, to take, do the actions, the, They've chosen to draw on a higher power, a spiritual force, as we've talked about. They've chosen to, to act out in love in relationships one to another and do the difficult work. And they've chosen to have the disciplines it takes, you know, to to do whatever it takes. And I appreciate your work in helping people have some tools to do that. And uh, so, so, Eric, how can people find out more about you and what you're about and what's next and about when we can see your upcoming movie and Tell us about how people can be in contact with you or learn more about what you're about. Um, the best way is to go to unmaskinghopethemovie.com, and you can go to that website, and it pretty much is a clearinghouse on everything. Um, you can get to my personal site, ecproductions.com. That keeps you up to date with what I'm doing personally. But unmaskinghopethemovie.com is one of the main places. You can go to Instagram. Um, Unmasking Hope and to uh, Facebook and look up Unmasking Hope on Facebook and join us and we'll keep you up to date. The real exciting thing with Unmasking Hope now is it might be way more than a movie. Mm. We're starting to sh there's a lot of interest in here in Burbank and um, in the industry and in turning it into a series because right now is a very prime time for people to uh, talk about mental health issues. And they're very interested in the uh, in the message of hope. So we're very excited. So you know, if you do want to find out more, unmasking hope the movie dot com, and uh, we'll find out and follow us from there. Absolutely, get on Eric's list and be aware of whatever is next, whether it's a series or a movie or anything else that can come out of it. Helpful tools to help people deal with trauma and to really uh, claim the power of Hope for Life Transformation. So we're thankful today to have Eric Christensen, the filmmaker, with us here on the Pathway to Promise podcast. Thank you, Eric. So glad to have Eric Christensen as our guest today on Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. Check out his website, unmaskinghopethemovie.com. You can find out more about Unmasking Hope. And I think it's going to speak into your life. If you have any kind of adversity in your life, any kind of drama or trauma, there's going to be some things there that can be helpful to you. We touched on several things here today. I'll just lift up a two or three of them that I think are important. One of them is the choice to choose to take action. In his case, fire took away everything he had in his life, and he had to choose to take some action to recover from that drama and trauma that included uh, therapy and seeking out some spiritual advisors. And that's the second thing I would just share with you. Drawing on a higher power than yourself is so important that you do in your prayer life, your spiritual life. But many times you have to, it's really good to seek that out through another person or through a small group that can help hold you accountable and lift you up through the process. 
So you have a mentor in your life and you, you have, you are mentored in your life and then you can be a mentor to others as well later on. But it's the power of the small group, the power of those relationships, especially in a spiritual uh, renewal and recovery process. Then there's also the power of storytelling. He's a filmmaker. Eric Christensen is a filmmaker. And I just hope that you heard his um, his storytelling process there, especially when he was talking about the, the motorcycle ride from some Vietnam veterans took across the country from San Diego to Washington, D.C., and the stories that he told about the powerful drama of the, some of the people and the particular people he told the stories about, about how it was so emotional and so powerful in the stories that were told. This is what I want to share with you, friends. Tell your story. If you have some adversity in your life, some drama or trauma in your life, share your story with somebody else. And that will be a helpful part of the process of healing for yourself. Tell your story. That's what we do here at the Pathway to Promise podcast. We tell stories of overcome adversity, of overcoming adversity, to find your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose. We believe that God gives you that life. And you just have to claim it. You claim it by taking bold action, by drawing on a higher spiritual power, by being fueled by love for other people, and then living your life with self-discipline. That's the principles we teach here on Pathway to the Process. Bold action, higher power, loving relationships, and self-discipline. Live those out. You can find out more about us at our at our website, pathwaypromise.com, where you can find lots of back episodes and resources for you to help you overcome adversity, to achieve your promised life of peace, prosperity, and purpose, and know that we are here to serve you. you we also have a gift for you there, the four-minute way to plan your day. Hope it's helpful to you. We we'll look forward to hearing, being with you next time here on the Pathway to Promise podcast. Until then, this is Dr. Brad Miller encouraging you to keep your promises because there's power in a promise kept. Thanks so much for taking the Pathway to Promise with Dr. Brad Miller. As a subscriber, you'll be a vital part of the Pathway to Promise community. Visit us on the web at pathwaypromise.com. Until next time, remember to stay on your Pathway to Promise.